people and places. So God has called us to make a difference uh, in the world, to make disciples of all nations. What exactly does that mean? For years, uh, missiologists have advocated the concept of people groups. Uh, It's been debated and kicked around today. Uh, We have an author of a brand new book, uh, Dr. Matt Hurt, who's going to be with us and talk about uh, what does it mean to make disciples of all nations. Our God is a missionary God, and we are His missionary people. You are listening to The Scent Life, the official podcast of the Center for Great Commission Studies at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Hey, Keelan. Hey, Scott. We've got a great privilege today to uh, interview a friend of ours. Yeah, I'm really excited about this one today. I guess you are, since your name is mentioned in the book. Hey, that's right. It is. Very small print, but it's in there. That's all right. Your name is mentioned in the book. We have a friend of ours, uh, one of our students, Dr. Matt Hurt, uh, with us today. I would say in the studio, but he's actually in Africa. So Yeah, he's about as far away from the studio as you can get. That's right. Hey, Matt, welcome. Welcome. Thank you for having me. It's great to be on. Man, we're super glad that you're with us. Matt, give our um, uh, listeners just a real quick um, introduction to yourself, uh, your ministry, uh, what you guys are doing, and then we want to jump in and talk about your new book that's come out, and uh, we're super excited about that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, So first and foremost, Heather, my wife and I, we have a missionary heart. Uh, We have served as missionaries in South Asia. Uh, We served in the country of Nepal for three years. And even after we came back to the U.S. uh, and I served in pastoral ministry, we served in our churches with a uh, missional commitment to making disciples, uh, equipping church members to to evangelize, disciple uh, the community that we were in. And uh, we did that in Indiana and North Carolina for seven years. Uh, And from there, the Lord called us back to the field uh, where we've been in Nigeria now for a little over a year. Uh, where I serve the faculty on the faculty of missions at the Nigeria uh, Nigerian Baptist Theological Seminary in uh, Obomashaw, Nigeria. It's actually the second oldest Baptist seminary in the world, and uh, we're we're honored to serve here in a uh, legacy context, but in a context that has a massive uh, Christian population, has a massive uh, just people population that's rapidly increasing. And the center of global Christianity is is really here uh, from from this moment uh, and in, heading into the future. West Africa is the center of global Christianity. Uh, so there is a lot of potential here to mobilize uh, students and to the mission field. Very good, man. We're super excited about that. We're super excited about you and Heather and your ministry that God's given you. And thanks so much for, for joining us to talk about uh, your new book that's just come out. Uh, People and Places, How Geography Impacts Mission Strategy. Uh, super excited about this. I know it's always exciting you know, to publish a book. Uh, that's, a, uh, that's a great, fun thing to do. But, but uh, there's a reason that you wrote this book. Talk to us just a minute about the book itself. Uh, what do you mean uh, by the title People and Places? And uh, what is it that led you to actually write this book and, 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 and have it published? Yeah, let me talk about the the last part first, actually, about why why did I write this? When I was actually an MDiv student at Southeastern uh, in international church planting uh, in the 2 plus 2 program, I 
noticed in a lot of missions literature that we uh, didn't really define nations very often. Even some of the the, the great missions texts, uh, I won't mention any by name, but uh, they, they <laughs> tend to not they tend to not define nations very clearly. And it frustrated me. So who do we mean by the nations? When we talk about reaching the nations, when we talk about uh, engaging the nations, what do we mean? And so I, I came across this quote, this old quote, Walter Badgett wrote in this book, Physics and Politics in like the late 1800s. He said that we know what a nation is when you do not ask us, but we cannot very quickly explain it or define it. And what he meant by that is just we we assume that when we talk about nations that we know what we're talking about. Uh, and so what that results in, though, is often our cultural definition, our cultural context informs our definition of the nations more than the Bible does. And so what I noticed is even where definitions were applied, the classical definition of a people group, there's no reference to to scripture. Uh, and furthermore, where scriptural references are used, I found that our arguments pretty weak, uh, sometimes using bad exegesis. And so this bothered me for a long, long time. And I finally, uh, George Robinson at Southeastern finally convinced me to do a PhD and, and write on this as my, uh, my dissertation topic that has been uh, edited and turned into a, uh, a book. So what do I mean by peoples and places? Uh, I mean that our, our definition of people groups traditionally uh, has relied primarily on anthropological definitions that has really focused exclusively on ethnicity and language. And I'm saying that there's more to it than that. Uh, and again, not just anthropologically, but biblically, uh, the, the Bible describes the nations using uh, more comprehensive terms than just ethnicity and language. Those are part of it, but there's more to it. And frankly, there's more than just geography also. There, there's political aspects. There are religious aspects. All of those things into that. I, I dealt with kind of the narrow focus of geography in, in my book, but that's what I mean by places. Uh, and not just uh, in reintroducing geopolitical elements. Uh, I, I really want to urge missionaries, mission strategists, researchers to think about and do the research about how does a people group understand their own geography? Where are their own barriers? Where are their own boundaries? Where are their, the centers of uh, their community? And, and how do these influence uh, their cultural, their contextual understanding of themselves? Yeah, so I really like what you're doing here, by the way. So what I'm hearing you say is perhaps there's not a quick and easy explanation of what we're talking about when we talk about the nations. We need to slow down and think just a bit about what all that term may entail and not just do so from a purely cultural perspective, but let the Bible inform how we come to our understanding of the nations that we're called to go make disciples among. So here's my question for you. I'm going to put you on the spot a bit here. How do you define people groups then? Yeah, so my, my definition is very similar to the, the classical Lausanne definition of people groups, but I, I clarify uh, some things here. 
Uh, so I define a people group as a grouping of individuals who perceive themselves to have a common affinity for one another based on categories with a biblical theological foundation, which may include language, ethnicity, geography, religion, political factors, or any combination of these factors. And from the viewpoint of evangelization, this is the largest possible group within which the gospel can spread without encountering barriers of understanding, acceptance, or transmission. And so there's a few things there that are different, right? I, I, flesh, I, I make sure that the categories that, they're, that they perceive themselves as distinguished from other people groups have, have a biblical theological foundation. Because if we, missions is a biblical theological task. And if we're going to have a biblical theological task, we need to make sure that our terms are first and foremost established and defined biblically. Once that's done, then we can bring in anthropology and sociology as, as tools to help us uh, think well uh, about these categories. But we need to allow the Bible to set the terms and the initial definitions. And furthermore, regarding evangelism, I add the additional barrier of transmission. Because, yeah, we need to understand that there's barriers of understanding or acceptance, and those are rooted in the ethnic and linguistic aspects. But there's also barriers of transmission. Is it hard to get there? Hmm. Is it possible for somebody yeah. to get there? Or is there a significant physical or monetary barrier to getting to that people group so that the place where they are matters? Yeah, that's great. I, and, um, I like the way that you have fleshed out uh, kind of expanded on uh, the typical traditional uh, language that missiologists have used uh, to define people group. When I ask you a question, in, in the book you you spend several chapters getting some pretty technical uh, linguistic research. You dive in on words and phrases and, and verses, which I found really, really helpful uh, to, to, to just show where uh, where you arrived at your your concept of bringing geography and and access into the definition of people group. But if we were to take just a, a subtle twist here, uh, what would be some practical uh, um, implications of possessing a more inadequate understanding of nations or people group? And how do you hope that your, your definition is going to help assist missionaries, missiologists, as we think about accomplishing the missionary task? Yeah, so the, those technical aspects are as you said, they're important, and they, they might be a little daunting uh, for some some readers. And I, I debated whether or not to edit those uh, hmm. to make them more accessible, but I, I do think it's important for us as missiologists to do some of the heavy lifting on the biblical theological side uh, of things also. And so I, I chose to, re to keep those. Even if you're not a Greek or Hebrew scholar, th those chapters still have value. And even if you want to read through those quickly, that's okay because you can get down further in the book and where I give some practical uh, suggestions for how to do this. One of the, the dangers of not taking geography into account is it's possible to make strategy decisions that based on bad information. Hmm. So for example, the Han Chinese, have, I mean, there's millions and millions of, of Han Chinese theoretically you could reach 20 percent of the han chinese but if those if those people are in concentrated areas you still have massive places where hmm. the, the, there's no church where there's no uh there, there's no gospel witness and really what you end up with is this this reintroduction of what ralph winter called hidden peoples right. where we we think we have 
uh, reached an entire population, but we actually have segments of the population where there is no gospel witness. And so th th that's a major uh, challenge to uh, why we need to include geography in our mission strategy. And again, not just our understanding of geography, but how a people group understands their own geography. Matthew, I think you're spot on with some of the observations that you make here in this particular section. And all the work that I've done in diaspora missions kind of lays this to bear in a real easy way. So when we start talking about people groups in our more classic sense, the ethno-linguistic identifiers that we use to talk about people, they're almost static in nature in a sense, the way that we've dealt with them in the past. You've got uh, a label for a tribe or a nation or whatever term we want to use that's slapped on a people. And regardless of where they live and how long they live there, we almost think of them as having these immutable characteristics. And there's a code that we can crack for contextualizing to that people, but it's very place dependent. So when I would work with diaspora groups, so in Houston, for instance, where, you know, we'd just come back from Houston this past year, a lot of our work out there was with, uh, what's well, so Nigerians, in fact, or uh, we had some uh, Pakistani Muslims in the area. There's a massive population of them. Those groups were ethnically the same as the people back in their home country, but after spending time in America, that geography had changed portions of their culture and their worldview in some really significant ways. And so I think it's very important that you're picking up on this. And you talk in your, uh, in your book about emic geography. Now, that's a fancy term, uh, <laughs> but I'd love for you to unpack that one a bit because I think you're headed down that road in some of the way you've been talking about it in the podcast here. Help our listeners understand what you mean by that idea. So emic and etic are, are these kind of technical terms, but they're pretty common in, in missions and missiology literature. And if your listeners haven't heard these terms or seen them somewhere before, that it's good to know what they are. Uh, roughly, generally, emic refers to an insider's perspective. How, how do people understand their own context, their own culture, and, and things like that? Etic refers to seeing something from an outside perspective. Uh, applying categories to things uh, and kind of doing comparative analysis between people groups. Uh, and there's there's importance for both of them. There's a place for both of them, but we run into danger when we start trying to assume that our outsider analysis accurately reflects an, an insider understanding. And so emic simply refers to really the entire cultural worldview system of a of a people group and so this can this includes geography it in, obviously includes ethnicity and language and all aspects of cultural manifestations that, that we see and we can't really isolate them from one another and i think where we've run into some trouble with our uh, research is that again as you've said that we see these elements as static and isolated from one another so we'll look at language isolated from ethnicity or you know, separated from geography or separated from the way they, they govern themselves. All of those things matter and they all work together as a, as a unified system. Our, our goal as missionaries really is to try to understand that system as best we can so that we can effectively communicate the gospel inside of that system and also contextualize the gospel in a way that's appropriate and biblically faithful within that system. And so a lot of missionaries are already doing this kind of, but they don't have the term for it. 
Yeah. So in the book, you actually make the comment that uh, you think that missionaries should intentionally work to discover emic geographic categories. Almost like that's one of the the main roles here. How would kind of unpack a little bit what you had in mind with that statement? So emic geography is maybe one of the most, it's probably one of the most difficult parts to discover about a culture because all of us have our own concept of geography and we're all very ethnocentric naturally. We assume that that hill over there is just a hill or this international boundary actually means something. You know, when we were in South Asia, there's international boundaries in South Asia that literally mean nothing to the local people there. It means a whole lot to us, but the locals cross the border like it's not even there because in their in their geography, it's not. So we have to work at understanding this in ways very similar to how we would learn language. Hmm. And language is maybe the most obvious cultural manifestation that's different from our own culture. And so we we know inherently that, okay, we need to learn how to communicate different. There's different vocabulary, there's different grammar. Uh, you know, in you know, in in the US, we would say something like, like, I am I'm feeling warm or I'm cold. Well, here in in West Africa, uh, we say the cold has captured me or the the heat has captured me. And so it's it's a different grammatical structure that you have to learn how to say it differently because if you say it the other way around it doesn't make any sense so if we begin bringing in our assumptions about what's a legitimate border what's where's the boundary lines between this people group and that people group uh where are important cultural centers Uh, if we bring our own understanding into that uh, we're going to run into problems and we're going to make bad assumptions about where we need to plant churches about how the gospel is going to flow uh, within a cultural context. And we're just, we're just going to have an inadequate picture of what's actually going on in the context to help us as missionaries. Hmm. So we can begin with, again, these etic categories, these outside categories like boundaries and centers, and then begin thinking about, okay, how, you know, how do the things I'm seeing fit into these and then from there, we need to begin expanding outwards and, and adapting those and seeking to understand how does how do the people inside that culture view that, you know, so kind of like having boundaries and centers are kind of like a phonetic alphabet of geography. Mm-hmm. Uh, so but a phonetic alphabet doesn't necessarily you know, it, it's an outsider perspective, an outsider understanding of how a language is pronounced, but it doesn't it's not an emic, an insider uh, version of it. So we, we have to start with the etic. We always start with the etic because we have to. We are outsiders. Right. But gradually moving towards better understanding and insider perspective as best we can. Yeah, no, that's great. I love that. that that's, the, the concept makes perfect sense, and I think it's right that you're on that journey to figure out uh, how how peoples understand themselves as a way of, of, of uh, coming up and developing missionary strategy that could be most effective. Matt, when you when you wrote the book, uh, clearly you were approaching uh, what you perceived to be a lack in missiological literature, um, a struggle that you saw with definitions, um, and those were impacting uh, the way that missionaries actually attacked their work. At the same time, when I read through the book, I noticed that you, uh, you go to great lengths to emphasize that you're not trying to minimize or discard 
the traditional definitions of people group that have been handed down, you know, for years and years and years that uh, you really leaned heavily on the 1982 Lausanne Declaration, that definition. So why is it important to you to maintain these traditional uh, definitions while adding to them this concept of geography uh, and, and understanding the, the importance of place? Well, first and foremost, I don't think that they're entirely wrong. I think there's gaps, there, there's, it's incomplete, but it's not wrong. And uh, missiologists and missionaries like Donald McGavran, Ralph Winter, uh, John Piper's work in Let the Nations Be Glad, David Barrett, all of these really important guys in missiology and missions research and people group research, they made valuable contributions. You know, before Lausanne 1974, and Ralph Winter drops uh, his bombshell address there that literally changed the landscape of late 20th century missions. You know, we had a, we were still thinking in geopolitical terms. We were thinking in, you know, in terms that didn't reflect the reality of the world. And Ralph Winter opened the door on that and made a valuable contribution in a, in a positive direction. I never want to minimize the contribution that they made. I think it's valuable, and I still think it's valid, even if it's incomplete. Now, I think that's a fantastic way to talk about it, Matthew, is trying to fill in some of those gaps and further expand the way that we come at this issue. Uh, I really, really appreciate what you have done with this book. Uh, I think it's going to be a great contribution uh, for mission studies and for people that are kind of in all sorts of different spaces trying to develop their own thought on this this issue, whether that's a field missionary, whether that's uh, somebody that's doing training and equipping at a missions organization. Uh, if you're a pastor in a local church and you're trying to think better through both what we're going to do to send people to the nations and how we're going to engage with the peoples around us, uh, there's stuff to be had in Matthew's work here. Uh, and so what I want to do first is say, Matthew, thank you for being here with us today. We really appreciate the conversation uh, that we've had with you on this book. I thank you for your contribution to the field, man. This is going to be super helpful. But I also want to say to our listeners, uh, we're getting ready to give you a copy of this book if you're one of the first five people who will reach out to us in the Mission Center here at Southeastern, uh, we'd be happy to give you, we've got five copies that we're going to give away. And if you're one of the first five, you'll get your hands on one of these books so that you'll have your, your very own copy as well. And you can reach out to us here uh, through all of our regular channels. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on other channels on social media. You can hit us up at the website. You can even email us at cgcs at sebts.edu. Reach out, follow us, connect with us so that you can get more information about this and, and stay in touch with us for what we have upcoming this season. Matthew, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we appreciate it. You're welcome. Glad to be here. 